I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and today we're going to be doing a Q&A episode, which means I'm answering the questions you have been sending in. And today we're going through two questions. The first one is about rest and the second one is about being a non-diet personal trainer and I'll explain what all that means when we get to it. But of course, with each episode, let's highlight this week's Train Happy Trooper of the Week. This week's Train Happy Moment comes from listener Sarah and she says... Last year, we brought a trampoline for my kids. I used to love trampolining as a teenager. It was the only PE lesson I enjoyed. But my garden is very open and all my neighbours can see in. And as someone in a bigger body, I felt too self-conscious to go on the trampoline. After listening to your episode with Lindo Bacon, where you talked about seeing movement as play, I decided I should get on that trampoline and have fun playing with my kids. Yesterday, we had so much fun bouncing together and I even managed to remember how to do a seat drop. 14 years after last doing one. It was so much fun and felt so good to be moving for play and having quality time with my children that I've been missing out on. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing that and really highlighting how important thinking of movement as play is and how when we reframe moving our bodies in that way, it becomes less like this thing about people watching you from the outside and more about you experiencing it in your body and I think you beautifully demonstrated that with your train happy moment so if you have a train happy moment as well along with your questions then do send them into trainhappypodcast at gmail.com or you can direct message them to at trainhappypodcast okay let's get into these questions and the first questions come from our listener Jillian and she says rest days what are they What do you do? How many do you need to take? Where do I start? And I, it genuinely was written like that. I loved the way she wrote the question. Okay, so rest days. Like, let's get into it because this is actually an FAQ um, that comes up a lot because we talk about training, we talk about all this stuff, but we don't talk about rest enough. So here's the thing that we need to talk about. Rest is just as important as your workout. It's just as important for you to rest your body as it is to move your body. And particularly when we're following a training plan or we're in a really consistent routine with our training, a rest day is a really crucial way for your body to process your training. So especially if you're working towards a particular goal, whether that be running a certain distance, lifting a certain weight, training for a certain... Um, you know, a certain goal, you need the the workouts themselves will stimulate your muscles, stimulate your body, and in the rest periods, that is when your chance your body has a chance to respond to that. So when we talk about a rest day, 
I want you to think about a full day without a formal workout that gives your body a chance to process your training and respond to the stimulus. Now, you may have heard of rest days and active rest days. Active rest days, and this is something I personally have spoken about before, um, and I have since changed my mind on them. Active rest days don't need to be active rest days. They need to be rest days, rest days. (laughs) Because even if you are doing a lower level activity to that you're used to, you're still putting your body under stress because training is stress for your body, right? And to a certain degree, it's beneficial. But when we overstress the body, we it moves from being beneficial to being detrimental. And this is when we can talk about things like overtraining and, you know, when we talk about people getting injured or, you know, even it impacting their hormones with the loss of periods and things like that. So I really want to just emphasize to you, Gillian, and to everyone listening, how important a rest day is. So what should a rest day look like? Now, this is going to be definitely unique to the person, but here's just a few things to consider with your rest day. Firstly, no formal workout. As we, as we said, like not even the kind of active recovery day. If your active recovery day includes you still running a 5K, that is a workout. And I know this is mentally hard for those of us who have been compelled to work out, who really heavily rely on their routine of training. Um, but honoring your body's need to rest is going to be so beneficial to A, your connection and trust with your body, but B, like we said, the fact that your body gets to recover and that that should be improving your performance, that should be improving your um, your mindset and your mental health. And with that rest day, think about what you can do with that rest day. So let's talk about that. So no formal workout. This is also a chance to listen to your body to determine how much and what food is good for you on a rest day. There is no need to restrict or avoid certain foods such as carbohydrates on a rest day. And I think this is something that really comes up. I, you know, when we've spoken about on Instagram recently, I've been asking people about their workout rules. And one thing that comes up over and over again was the idea that we had to eat less on days that we weren't exercising. Now, that shouldn't be a rule. However, you should honour your body. And, you know, we're all different. Some people, their bodies may need a bit less food on a rest day. Some people might get hungrier. It's very individual. And this comes down to intuitive eating, obviously, and and really trusting your body in that sense. So when it comes to the food stuff, listen to your body. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Trust yourself in that sense. In terms of that recovery aspect of talking about a rest day, um, it's really important, like we say, to, to relax. You might literally want to put your feet up. It's also important to think about your sleep quality for rest and recovery. And a sleep routine every day of the week is important. Um, 
simple things like trying to go to bed at a similar time every night, trying to wake up at a similar time every morning is highly recommended to get your body and your body clock in that nice routine where you're able to get good quality sleep, no blue light for an hour or so before bed, low light in the house, a cool room to sleep in. These are all tips that um, I've personally picked up from Matthew Walker. He's a sleep scientist and he's got a book called Why We Sleep, which is fascinating I highly recommend and those are practices I personally put into my life and and have hugely benefited my sleep and so when we talk about the activity you might want to do on your rest day you might want to firstly just chill out do something that's you know make memories go hang out with people you know do something fun Easier said than done in pandemic times, but whether that be like go shopping with friends or go out for lunch or, um, I don't know, go play in the park, whatever you want to do, you just have a fun day. Um, Don't worry about your steps. Don't worry about all that stuff. Don't worry about hitting 10k steps a day. Don't worry about that. Just have fun. Just have fun. And you may find that if you are feeling fatigued in terms of... um, soreness with your workout you may want to do some gentle mobility work just to keep your body um, relatively limber and not to you know have that seizing up feeling so not necessarily stretching as such but just doing some gentle work in the areas that you feel appropriate um, that kind of correspond with with your workout and, and what's helpful so whether that might be doing hip opening work if you feel like your hips are tight um chest opening work if you feel um, that needs to be looked at and so on and so forth. So in summary when we're chatting about our rest days I want you to enjoy them, I want you to make memories on your rest day and I want you to enjoy it without feeling guilty and I think one of the biggest things for many people with their rest days is the psychology behind taking the rest the guilt behind taking the rest and the idea that we're failing or we're not doing it right. Um, And actually it's important that, like I say, the rest is equal to the work. Now, in general, we can talk about how many specific days you need to rest, but that's really down to your body. And as someone who advocates for intuitive movement, I want you to decide how many rest days you need a week because you know your body best. When we're looking at this through gentle guidance, I'm thinking about at least one to two a week, at least. Um, But you may want more than that, and that is okay. So thank you so much, Gillian, for your question about rest. I hope that has answered some questions. And if it's brought up more questions, then please feel free to email in and let me know what else you would like to know about rest days. And I will work on... um, I'll work on perhaps doing a guest episode on rest days. So question number two comes from listener Stella. And Stella says, how can I be a PT with a health first approach? So firstly, let's talk about what a health first approach is. And this is something I identify with. And there are kind of a few different phrases banded about. Um, I landed on health first, but let's just do a little bit of a, of a vocab thing. Um, So health first is really primarily focusing on health promoting behaviours with your client above weight loss and aesthetics and we'll get into that in further detail. Um, 
Included within that, you may hear the phrase weight neutral. Weight neutral means that we don't make assumptions and judgments about people based on their weight and we treat it as a neutral factor in the relationship, the client-trainer relationship. And it's not the focus. Um, The focus is, once again, on these health-promoting behaviours and improving fitness, confidence, strength, stamina, all those things. And you may also hear the phrase like a non-diet approach as well. And non-diet approach simply means um, a trainer who does not put people on specific diets, on weight loss plans, um, that their work isn't within that setting. So the personal training qualification in the UK is what I can speak to. And I'm sure this is pretty similar for around the world to international listeners, international, international personal trainers listening or budding personal trainers, let me know. The PT course is a traditionally weight-centric course, which means it is very much um, in the in the paradigm of, of diet culture, essentially. A lot of what we learn on the course is centred around helping clients lose weight. Um, the way we're taught to, you know, in initial consultations, we're taught to weigh clients, ask them what their goals are, and nine times out of ten, this is presumed that the goal is always a weight loss, um, body composition, aesthetic goal. Now, it's important to say that if you're looking to do things a bit differently, which is what a health first approach to personal training is, doing things a bit differently. I think if you're doing your course, I know some people who have been apprehensive about doing the personal training course, but really at this moment in time, there is not a personal training course that is like free from diet culture, that is completely free of all the stuff. It is what it is. And so if you're in the position where you're able to, I would say take it with a pinch of salt, get the qualification. You need to get your foot in the door. Um, and then where do we go from there? So let's talk about specifically what a health first approach actually specifically includes. It includes um, being neutral about weight, which we've spoken about. The idea that there's no judgment behind it and that the weight is not the biggest factor. It's not the biggest focus. Um, It is what it is. I think specifically with that as well, um, a lot of this comes down to there's there's a massive bias within the personal training industry that if we meet someone in a bigger body, then we assume we think we know what's best for that person, we know what goals they should be having, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really about giving the autonomy to the client and letting them decide what they want and being neutral about that. However, a health first approach really focuses on health promoting behaviours instead of a traditional weight loss aesthetics approach. This can include um, not weighing clients, not measuring clients, not tracking progress through before and after photos, but instead tracking progress through methods such as fitness testing and tracking of sessions and, you know, whether that be a video of you doing learning to do press-ups and then three months later doing your press-ups using those visual um, representations of your fitness as well as I personally write my sessions down and see how the client has improved whether 
maybe an improvement in the strength and the in the weight they're able to lift or the um the amount they're able to lift and the, the amount of times they're able to do something and really focusing on that improvement in skill and performance rather than focusing on what you look like now this okay that that's what a health first approach includes it's important to say that this is pretty niche right now okay this is not the dominant narrative this is not the dominant way of doing things this is a bit different um but I personally feel and maybe this is me talking into my echo chamber but I personally feel that there's a lot of people who a there are clients who have a want and does desire for this approach there is a need for this environment to exist and this fit, this form of working to exist. And secondly, that there are many personal trainers who would much prefer to work in this way and it really aligns with their values and the way they consider fitness to be more about the mental health aspect and you know improving people's health and fitness and well-being overall. So at the moment, there are no formal qualifications in this approach, but... I know that there are things in the works um, in the UK and abroad. I would highly recommend those listening to check out the Fitness Professionals Against Weight Stigma Instagram. Um, And I will tag that in the show notes for you so you can find that. As well as Louise Green, who um, is the handle on Instagram is Louise Green underscore Bigfoot Girl. Firstly, read Louise's book. She's a fantastic author. She's just written two books now, Big Fit Girls, her first book, and she's just written a book called Fitness for Everybody. And I think if you're really interested in this about inclusive fitness, if you're a personal trainer, go read those books. Awesome. Um, This is, if we're talking on books as well, this is also discussed within Train Happy to an extent. If you're looking to have a great understanding of, of what it means to be more intuitive and move away from diet culture as a fitness professional there is stuff included in train happy about that and I do know that um the fitness professionals against weight stigma are working with um the examining body within the UK for personal training courses to um include more education about weight stigma and you know how we can be more inclusive as trainers which is awesome so I feel like there's progress happening the resources are coming, there are formal qualifications out there. So, well, we'll be out there soon. So I would watch this space and I will update you on the podcast as and when I hear things happening. I suppose the biggest FAQ in terms of shifting to this approach and and shifting to this way that we work is, but what do I do if my client does want to lose weight? What do I do, you know, I can't afford to lose that business. So here are my thoughts about this. This is not the rule book. This is very much my opinion. Um, Firstly, I think we should never judge anyone's desires or goals or, um, or reasons they want to come to training. There will always be no judgment because it really is about a person having body autonomy You have every right to diet if you want to. You have every right to go down that path. We'll get to it, but within being a a health first trainer, you might not be the right person to help guide the person down the path. And that's okay. 
Secondly, I would, I like to explain the approach that I take and the reasoning behind it. This does include having a knowledge about this and understanding and I hope that this podcast helps to, you know, educate you on these things. Like I said, there are some awesome books to read about this to feel like you have a better understanding and there are other podcasts to listen to as well. So just keep reading and keep trying to learn as much as you can about this stuff because it will help you feel more confident in explaining why this is different. Talk about what focusing on health behaviours mean. So what does it entail when we focus on health behaviours? And in a nutshell, it means that we really focus on the holistic health of a client. We We think about their mental health, we think about their physical health, we think about their overall well-being and support them to make the best decisions around their fitness and training. And as I mentioned at the beginning, there's no there's no judgment and your client has autonomy to do whatever they want. And if you feel like you're not the right fit for your client, refer them on. It's scary. It is scary <laughs> to feel like, oh my goodness, I'm losing a potential client. But you might not be the right fit for that person and that person might not be a right fit for you and they may be better off with another trainer. Um, and it's important to give them that option. But also think about how you are carving out this approach as your niche so that for all the people you eventually may may pass on to other people, people will start finding you because of your reputation of working in a different way, of working in a judgment-free environment that doesn't make people count calories and weigh themselves all the time. And my final tip is... Find the non-diet nutrition professionals and physiotherapists and all that kind of stuff in your area. Link up with them. Things are working virtually now, so it may be a case that they might not be physically in your local area, but say your client does want help with nutrition um, and that's beyond your scope of practice, pass them on to someone who aligns with your values and who you can work with as a team to support the individual. So Stella, I really hope that gives you an insight to what a health first uh, fitness professional is there definitely could be more said about it and maybe we'll do another full episode on this topic as well let me know if you want to hear more about it and you can let me know by tagging us on instagram and and giving us feedback there so I've really enjoyed answering those questions and once again I would invite you to email in your questions and email in your train happy moments to trainhappypodcast at gmail.com and I will speak to you soon with another Q&A episode and we'll be back to our Monday guest episodes next week. And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the Train Happy message. And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. 
and it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.